I see that there's a lot of information coming out about telehealth that um, to help with rural or underserved communities. But the truth of the matter is, and, and Nick, you know this just well, and I'm sure everybody who's experienced in this podcast is going to notice that there's glitches. That's because I live in a rural area and that is not a solution to everything. So we can't just assume that everyone has the same access. I can't transfer my spinal cord patient into a into a manual wheelchair so he can learn how to propel it. I can't, you know, do fall training against an older adult if I'm not there to catch them. I can't, you know, sorry, like it's just it's not a reality. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the PTA Plus podcast. My name is Katie Sutton and I am your host. Today's guest is Nick Hoops and Penny Goldberg, and they are two physical therapists who got together and wrote a book. This book is called The Insurance Roadmap for Rehab Providers, and this book is chock full of information. And yes, they are two physical therapists. I know the podcast is for PTAs, by PTAs. However, this information is really important for PTs, PTAs, and students alike. We're talking about billing, we're talking about coding, we're talking about insurance, and how this book that they wrote just kind of breaks that all down and makes it super easy to digest and um, process this information. This is an important topic. This would be a a great gift for a new grad um, PT or PTA. And so Nick and Penny, they tell us all about their book, how this came to fruition, and what the future plans are for this information. This is an episode you're not going to want to miss. They fill so many of those PT plus and PTA plus um, blanks for us throughout this episode. So thank you for joining. We hope you enjoy. All right. Hey, welcome to the PTA plus podcast. How are you? Doing pretty well. How are you tonight? I'm good. I'm good. So we have Penny Goldberg, physical therapist and Nick Hoops, physical therapist. Um, you are the first physical therapist on the PTA Plus podcast. Um, so the slogan is kind of for PTAs by PTAs, but I never said I wouldn't interview a PT. So, <laughs> all right, well, that's an honor. Yes. Yeah, yes, yeah. So, how, how does that feel? <laughs> yeah. Great, great. Like I said, I, I take I take a ton of PTA students, so I uh, I, I have a lot of respect for the uh, you know the ability to utilize PTAs. So it it, it works out well. Awesome. That's good. Yeah. And I think that the information that we're going to talk about tonight is so fitting to PTs and PTAs alike as as well as many other rehab professionals. I think you guys have some great stories to tell here and I'm excited to share it with our audience. So um, just to give a little background, um, Nick and I don't know each other, but we're essentially, we're like basically neighbors. So um, Nick and I figured this out. I, I was following you on Twitter and I think that you push out a lot of really good content and, and, and you keep me laughing. And I think that's nice. You keep things lighthearted and, and you like to joke and, and talk about your day and whatnot. So um, somehow you and I figured out that we were like from the same like area and vicinity and you went to high school very close to where my kids go to school too. And so we, we kind of have this Ohio connection. It's uh yeah, it's, it's wild. Like I said, I, I, I don't understand how anybody, I met somebody else on like Twitter that knew where Kensington, Ohio was. That's just, that's just, uh, um, you know, one in a million odds there. I know. Right. Yeah. I think, um, I think I posted something about Carroll County and you're like, Oh, I love Carroll County. I'm like, how do you know Carroll County? Nobody knows Carroll <laughs> County. <laughs> yep. Yeah. It's pretty okay. Yeah. It, it's all right. It's okay. Yeah. Um, now Penny, you're from the sunshine state. I, I'm actually from California, and to be fair, Nick and I don't know each other either. We right. are all Twitter, Twitter um, friends, you know, that just sort of evolved into this partnership. So we just started kind of having a side yeah. conversation about the post we were seeing. I don't even know how it started, but now it's become quite a thing where we kind of get to case conference a little bit and talk about billing, and it it, it turned into this, what if we did this project together? So. Yeah, Twitter's just bringing everybody together. If and know, it really right? is. Yeah, it's a great place to network. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, for I, sure. I'm thankful for it. You know, I kind of being in the middle of nowhere. It's nice to have you know, you know, bright minds to to bounce ideas off of and stuff like that. I mean, you know, it's not like I can just you know send a lot of my people to to another clinic. I mean, there's a couple of clinicians here, and it's like, oh yeah, you're your specialist or you know, two hours away. So, um, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm definitely grateful for the experience and, you know, getting to, to meet both of you at this point, but yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah. So yeah. In rural um, Ohio, we do try to be a little bit of everything to everyone. Um, and I, I'm not sure what kind of experience you have, Penny, in Florida. You're in um, like Gainesville area. Is that correct? Yeah. So I, I would have thought Gainesville was rural compared to growing up in Southern California, but Nick surprises me all the time with the things that are just so different, even between here and there. This, this is a college area. There's a, um, there's definitely rural areas all around us. We, we get the farmers, but we don't get them quite like you guys do. <laughs> you know, like we, we have the, uh, just a touch of that. Um, <laughs> I, I would have told you, you know, three, four years ago that this was, as rural as it got, you know, like, and it's, it's not even close to that. So, and then you met us. <laughs> <laughs> you'll have to come up and hang out with us sometime. Yeah. I mean, I, I did live in Indiana for three years, so I'm not completely just a city girl. Like I, I do understand that there are other parts of the world, but you know, you own I, a truck, right? In the middle of Southern California. What's that? You own a truck, right? I, I do own a truck. Yeah. So you're good. It's, it's it's That's all you need. Like people, people will accept you right away. That's yeah. all oh, yeah, you need. Definitely. Yeah. You're in. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. So, well, you get to have the sunshine like uh, 365 days out of the year. Nick and I get it like three days out of the year. That's true. Very true. It was one of them. It was nice. Yeah. It, yeah. It's been gorgeous here. Yeah. Awesome. So um, both of you are in outpatient physical therapy. Is that correct? Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Awesome. So um, can you tell us a little bit about some of the population that you work with? Uh, you can go first, Penny. Okay. So, so Nick's outpatient looks very different than my outpatient. Um, I work in a, in a mostly private clinic. We have a little bit of hospital ownership, but they don't have any say in the management. So it's really ownership in, in name only. Um, and we have kind of, created a situation where everybody has an opportunity to be a visible expert. So I am the sports therapist. We have a therapist who sees pre and postpartum women who's just dabbling in pelvic health. We have another one who only really sees patients who are um, dealing with breast cancer. And then we have, we do have kind of a generalist, but he sees our vestibular and the other things. Anybody who comes in kind of gets that opportunity to create their own path. Um, whatever it is that they want. We've had one that was geriatric, um, you know, sports is the one that most people want, but, and, and we will just kind of help nurture that um, for anybody who comes in. So for me, I predominantly see knees and shoulders. Um, our owner owns a hundred thousand square foot gym that's connected to the clinic. So my population, even my older adults are super active. Um, we do a lot of split squats and deadlifts and, um, just getting people under heavy loads and moving. So predominantly knees and shoulders for me. I, I don't, I don't really see anybody who has, I, I certainly don't see vestibular. I really don't see any kind of outpatient neuro um, that, you know, I, I know what next schedule looks like. Mine is like cake compared to his. So mine is just very much peripheral joints and people who are, are perfectly mobile on their own. Yeah, I, I wouldn't go. I wouldn't go as far as 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 K. You've got a a pretty tough one too. But um, I see I, I see everything. Um, you know, yeah, I, rare conditions, pediatrics, neuro, outpatient ortho, uh, sports, very high level athletes, um, little bit of everything. And, uh, you know, there's, I mean, the youngest patient I've worked with is nine days old. The oldest I've worked with is a hundred plus. Um, I've worked with people who can, are so deconditioned they can barely move. And I've worked with, you know, up to Olympic gold medalists. So, uh, you know, there's, there's really not an in-between. Um, I've kind of niched out a little bit. Uh, I do a lot of our sports. Um, I do a lot of ACL is a really big area that I've I've really tried to get more competent at because of how many we see um, pediatrics. I really do a lot of like sort of spearheading those caseloads. Right now, our pediatric load is so high that like I can't keep them. So I you know work a lot with our PTAs. Um, we have like three PTAs that I I really rely on to kind of handle the overflow of you know those patients. Um, you know, I've got a lot of neurospinal cord injuries. I've got four or five on caseload right now. So, you know, I really enjoy taking on like complex cases for the area. And, um, 
you know, I'm only one person. We, 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 we really focus on one-to-one care. So my ability to, you know, really lean on my PTAs to develop these plans of care, um, is something that's been very valuable in my outpatient setting and we're, we're private practice as well. Um, you know, we're, we're originally we're a physical or a physician owned, um, independent physician owned office. Uh, we're currently going through sort of a transition right now where my boss is sort of becoming like part owner and, and stuff like that. So we're, you know, really progressing to like a physical therapist owned clinic and, um, you know, sort of expanding out and that's kind of like sort of my setting. So a lot of similarities with awesome. you know, a little bit of yeah. differences. Yeah. Awesome. So, um, the, the name of this podcast, we call it PTA plus podcast. And the reason why we call it PTA plus podcast is because usually PTs and PTAs are more than just a PT or a PTA. And I think that that is um, extremely clear with the both of you, um, with all the things that you kind of have your hands into and Penny, if I'm not wrong, you're also an athletic trainer, correct? Yeah. yeah. Um, Nick, is, is that the same for you? Uh, so not technically. That was my background. I was licensed for four years. I worked at West Branch for four years. Um, I started the athletic training program there um, after they hadn't had one for like eight to 10 years. Um, <laughs> you know, uh, actually their, their current athletic trainer, uh, he graduated a year ahead of me from West Branch, but um, my license lapped back and my BOC lapsed back in 2018-ish. I just didn't see the need to continue to keep it up based on the fact that I likely wasn't going back into that and there's nothing in ohio per the mm -hmm. practice acts that i can't do with an at license that i can do with a pt license so yeah, to me it was yeah. just throwing away 250 bucks every couple of years so gotcha. I yeah. mind laugh. so I, i'm not an athletic trainer uh but that is that is a big part of my background gotcha yeah so um if you had to fill in the blanks with some of the other things that you are to fill in that plus part penny i'm gonna let you go first um so you're a pt you're an athletic trainer, but what else? Fill in the blank for me. What else are you? What my, else do you do? It's so it's so cliche, but my like overarching thing right now is that I am like a hardcore Pelotoner. I am like obsessed with it, and all of all of the instructors, and I just really feel like it's such a special community that has like filled a need that I didn't know I had, and so I, I feel like it's become a big part of of who I am right now, just as I kind of work on being a better human and a better therapist and, uh, you know, a, a better partner to my boyfriend and a better dog mom. And I just, you know, feel like stronger and empowered every day. And so that, uh, yeah, it just has kind of become, I, I was always an exerciser, but now I feel like Pelotoner is a better description. I love it. Pelotoner. Yeah. I know Jimmy's a Pelotoner. I don't know if you are too, but there's, there's a handful of PTs on there. I am not, I'm not, but I, I, I know a few. I mean, now I, I, I know another one. Now. You, I'll happily send you a 60 day trial. You do need Wi-Fi <laughs> for it to work, but it is like, it's like church. It's, it's the closest thing <laughs> to church. Just the people who are in your corner every day, reminding you that, that you can do it like in ways that feel believable. So that's awesome. I love it's it. Really so cool. Penny. PT, athletic trainer, Pelotoner. Anything else you want to add to that? Uh, I mean, do dog mom, because if you follow me on Twitter, that's what you'll see the most of. Cooper, Nick has a Cooper too, an another Cooper Golden Retriever. Yeah, Perfect. Um, <laughs> Cooper, and then we just we just adopted Bella, who is a, a pit bull mix. We've had her since December. She's a bit of a monster, um, but she's also the sweetest girl in the world, and seeing her happy is like, the best feeling because we know that they they found her on the side of the road um and didn't expect anything to come of her and so she has sort of assimilated into our world and uh, she, she smiles you know cooper smiles too but that's expected of golden retrievers it's not yeah. as expected of, of pit bull mixes and I, it just warms my heart when she when she shows me that big that big red tongue so probably dog mom Awesome. Okay, Nick, you're next. What's your what's your addition? <laughs> um, <laughs> what else are you? <laughs> uh, you know, I I I want to jump away from like you know the uh, the cliche. You know, I'm I'm a, I'm a husband. I you know I'm a, I'm a father. Recently, in the past two years, you know, came up with you know I've had two kids in the past two years, and uh, you know those are those are these ones. You know, if you follow me enough on Twitter, you know, barbecue pitmaster, uh, you know, craft beer connoisseur, a little bit of all of those things. Um, but you know it. It's hard to be so cliche, but I've really, 
I, it, it's been it's been a week um and you know being in ashtabula county where you know there's 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 some issues with with, with poverty and drugs and stuff like that and mm-hmm. i've had some stories this past week man about just kids in bad situations and um you know i don't i don't want to delve too deep in them and, and dampen the mood but like i remember i was walking through the yard uh on on, on sunday and uh you know, my son, Lucas, he's two, he wanted to go out fish, whatever. He loves to be outside. He's always outside. And, um, you know, we were walking. I just, I, I found myself for a second stop and be like, man, it is so cool to like, like be a dad. Like, you know, I'm still growing into that, you know, parenthood thing. And then I go to work and I hear these stories of these kids who have like upbringings that are, you know, just, mm-hmm. just, just, just tragic for lack of better words. And I realized that, you know, having the ability to, to focus so much on being like, you know, father and then, and then building off of that, how can I, you know, you know, be a mentor to, to others around me, or how can I like be a safe space in terms of, you know, being open, you know, Hey, you're having problems. We can talk and like, you know, sort of building my identity off of that, you know, even in the clinic, I've had kids who come in through these things. And it's like, you know, you need to sit down and talk and, and not just kids, but adults too. And, and that's become Absolutely. like a big part of, you know, in terms of community, what I, what I hope to accomplish, you know, I've, had some really intense conversations with, with people of all ages this week. And it really kind of put things into perspective and, you know, set me back to like, Hey, this is, this is kind of who I am and who I want to be. And, you know, learn from past mistakes and be open about the things that I, you know, might've messed up when I was younger and stuff like that. And, uh, you know, it's been, you know, like I said, not to be too cliche, but, you know, a, a dad and a parent has been like just this massive shift in my mentality for the past, uh, two and a half years, three years. And so, you know, those are, that's, that's kind of like just sort of my identity now and I'm, I'm, I'm loving every second of it. So it's cool. Absolutely. I love it. I love it. Great. And there's one more thing that you can both add to your list of plus your authors, your authors, you forgot we, we, that we one. Are. This is the uh, whole you reason know, why we got together tonight. Amazon, Amazon times best selling, right? That's right. Yeah, yeah. I, I haven't checked, but sure. <laughs> uh, it's been an exciting adventure, though. Yeah, yeah. So um, let's go ahead and talk about this. Okay, this is the insurance roadmap for rehab providers. You two wrote a book. Um, you have given us the ethical cheat codes is the way I'm viewing this and, and thinking of this um, yes. book. It's it's so easy. It's straightforward. I love this book. I'm going to recommend it to so many people, um, just because you've you've really tore down the difficulty of all of this billing and, and insurance and the providers, and and you've just brought it down to like a level that I think anybody can understand. Um, so, I, I, where did this come from? How how did you guys say, hey, let's let's write a book? You're in Ohio, she's in Florida, <laughs> like Twitter. Um... You know, I mean, really, the framework started from a a tweet thread. What, like two years ago? And like Penny and I have, uh, we have pretty similar thought processes with a lot of things, and um, I think that helps a lot. But uh, we, uh, you know, kind of like we're joking, like God, we need a book. We share our stories with like students, especially when we talk about students who've gone to clinical sites and they've been just you know terrible experiences for them, and and almost every student we've had has had one. And, you know, it comes down to people to understand, you know, like what their license entails, what their, you know, what power they have in these scenarios. And, um, you know, we just sort of went back and forth and then it got put on a Google Doc and we started sharing it. And one of us would write for a couple hours and then like two weeks later, another one of us write for a couple hours. And um, it got to the point where we're like, oh, like this is this is starting to come together and then it like became a thing where we're like oh okay and um you know it formulated into what you you have in your hand now and um really i i never thought it would actually reach this point until probably about i don't know what do you say penny like six months ago we're like oh wow this is like like almost done we have like a lot of really good information here like this might be valuable we or at least we hope it is and uh you know a little bit of uh imposter syndrome as a as you know first time like oh let's just put something out there and um you know i think that's kind of like where where it started and you know penny can add anything else on where you know she kind of came from with this this whole concept 
um, I just, we got to the point where it was like the same things being taught over and over again in the clinic. I was answering the same questions via text message from, you know, people who had left the clinic to go to PT school that were then on clinicals. You know, everyone was, was getting stuck in the same places. They were having the same problems with documentation. They were having the same, you know, questions about if it's this insurance, can I do that? And how do I figure out the minutes and how do I know which code is the right code? Um, and so I just started keeping a list of it just very roughly kind of in the back of my head. Someday I'm going to write a book about this. Um, someday I'm going to put this into a course where I'm going to do something, you know, meaningful with it. And then we got to a point there was, you know, the, like Nick said, the, the ATs on Twitter, um, mean very well in what they're trying to do when they try to show, you know, how valuable they are to school systems. Cause they, they are valuable to school systems, but their calculations were way off. And so it was like, what if we created this resource that could help them kind of understand where they're going wrong in these calculations? And then also, uh, if nothing else, could be a guide to give the students that we each have so that we don't have to give the, we don't have to teach the same thing over and over and over again. If I could just say ahead of time, yeah. here's, my, here's my handout. I never expected it to be 144 pages, right? It just sort mm -hmm. of became the like, oh, today, yeah. I had to I had to answer this question for a student, so so I wrote a little bit on on prior off, right? Like mm -hmm. today I had to answer this question for a student, so I wrote a little bit on uh, the the PTA differential, and then like Nick said, it it started to take shape and it started to have, you know, distinct sections that then became chapters. Um, I, I don't think either of us really expected it to get to this place, but um, I think we're both super happy it did. So, it's, you got to you got to put something out there, right? You know, put it on paper Absolutely. And show it to everyone else. So we got pretty good feedback. I think we both had, you know, one or two people that were kind of looking at it on the side saying, yes, this is, this is worthwhile information. You're going in the right direction. Um, so that it was, it was helpful to have a little cheerleader off to the side too, saying yeah. this is valuable. What you guys are doing is, is going to be helpful. Right. Cause it's definitely not the most exciting topic in the world. You know, that's, that's kind of tough. It's not like these are cool cases or whatever. This is insurance. Yeah. Like it's, 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 it's boring. And we, you know, mentioned that in the forward, but like, you know, it just became something that, you know, I think Penny hit it right on. Hey, you know, we got these questions and you just put them down on paper, you know, from the students and that, that really just formulated where it, where it, where it, you know, grew to. So the, the insurance point is, is a good one too, in that, you know, it, if you're following what was happening in the PT world during um, the pandemic, right? Like as COVID was happening and all of a sudden everyone was like, what if I just went cash-based? What if I started seeing people in their homes? And, and this big shift towards mobile physical therapy happened. And Nick and I were on the side of like, as much as we hate insurance, it's not going anywhere. So like teaching students and new grads that they don't need to know insurance it is doing them a disservice. So we kind of took the, this is still the current model and learning the current model is going to benefit you because the, even the patients that you see for cash in their homes still have insurance that they can then self-submit to. So you need to have enough of an understanding yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. to be able to say, here's how you self-submit to Blue Cross Blue Shield. You know, here's how you can actually get this paid by your insurance. I'm just not going to do the work for you. Right. And to, in order to do that, you still have to understand codes. You still have to understand minutes. You still have to understand documentation. I think, uh, I think another, I'm, sorry. I have a favorite chapter. Oh, go, go ahead, Nick. Nope. No, go, go, ahead, ahead. go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. I don't after, know. after you, there was just a little pause there. So I, you're good. <laughs> go right in. Uh, I, I think that, you, you know, I mean, that was a, a really great point that Penny made, too, in terms of uh, the, you know, the cash based movement too. you know, and, and the insurance company really isn't going anywhere. You know, I mean, Penny's a, a skilled therapist. She's got her SES. You know, she could find a way to make a cash niche in Gainesville if she chose. It would take a lot of work. But, you know, I mean, I don't in a 50 mile radius have the ability to find people who need physical therapy who would pay $200 a session and fill my schedule for an entire week. Like it just, it doesn't exist. Mm -hmm. And you know, that's not like a knock on anything. Like it's just, that's just not reality. The insurance based system here is why I have a job and it's not going anywhere. You know, I think that, you know, Penny makes a really great point with that. Yeah. 
Yeah, absolutely. And and we can't rely on um, uh, things like telehealth to cover every um, every place as well. You know, I see that there's a lot of information coming out about telehealth that um, to help with rural or underserved communities. But the truth of the matter is, and, and Nick, you know this just well, and I'm sure everybody who's experienced in this podcast is going to notice that there's glitches. That's because I live in a rural area and that is not a solution to everything. So we can't just assume that everyone has the same access. Yeah. I can't transfer my spinal way. cord patient into a, into a manual wheelchair so we can learn how to propel it. I can't, you know, do fall training against an older adult if I'm not there to catch them. I can't, you know, sorry. Like it's just, yeah. it's not a reality. Yeah. Systems even, exist. Yeah. Even in our, you know, in, in my, in my version of rural, uh, people weren't interested in it. Like, I, I don't know who's telling everyone that this is what the patients want, but in, in our 700 visit a week, you know, two clinic locations situation, we had three takers when we offered telehealth. Wow. And, and to be honest, um, two of them just really liked me and wanted to chat with me for 20 minutes a week about what was going on in their life. Like, I'm, I'm not kidding. We, we didn't go through insurance, so nobody has to get mad, right? They paid cash. But it was like legitimately like just I just wanted to catch up with you, see what was going on this week. Right. And the third <laughs> one, all he wanted to do was show me what he had at home so that I could tell him yeah. where to put the pins and just make sure he knew how to do his home program. And that was it. The rest of them were like, nope. Either they, they came into the clinic or they they said, Well, wait till this is till it's safe to come back, you know. So mm -hmm. um the That's the people who feel like this is the future of physical therapy, I, I feel like aren't aren't actually listening to patients. I remember specifically having a patient the first time they came back. I was like, he was doing great after total knee. I'm like, all right, man, you're, you're, you're doing good. You know, I think we can work towards di discharge. He's like, well, uh, and this is a guy who had like a $40 copay. And he's like, can I, can I keep coming? Like, I, you know, I really just like getting out of the house to come see you. And I'm like, well, you know, yeah, we can justify working on some more things, you know, getting off the ground, whatever. But like, you know, I think you're ready to, you know, progress to doing this on your own. And, you know, I, we had the exact same response i mean people wanted to to stay in the clinic it was you know and it, and we are also like like penny said it's not something where like we're like hands-on we're like not a super manual clinic where you need the soft tissue work and the dry needling yeah we offer that stuff but you know we're very heavy exercise based just like just like they are and you know people wanted that so you know i, I think that's a good point yeah so um when it comes to, to, to the book. And um, I, I'm getting the sense that you guys kind of like, just started like piling information together. And then it kind of formulated and it, it gained a life and it started to kind of be like this living, breathing thing. But um, did you have a favorite part about this? Because I have a favorite part of your book. <laughs> it's chapter five. I like that one. That's my favorite. <laughs> chapter five is coding. Coding and building. Coding and yeah. 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 Uh -huh. First part of coding and building. I think that's close to my favorite. I mean, I think there's a lot of value depending on the the audience you're looking at. So, like, I thought the first chapter was great. And I think that, like, first chapter is great for just people in the general public to understand. Um, I thought chapter five was great in terms of a, a conversation that I've been vocal on and, and bothers me is, you know, we talk about understanding your worth. And people don't realize how reinsur or insurance reimburses. You know, you see these bills, these absurd bills for, you know, $1,000 or $2,000 for one code. And then what actually gets reimbursed? And then, you know, even more so building off of that, well, how much is that a hospital getting reimbursed for the same code that the private practice is? And, you know, how these are calculated with the Medicare fee schedule and Medicaid fee schedule and, like, actually seeing numbers. So, like, I really thought that that was a very valuable part of chapter five. And, um, you know, that was, that was one of my, my favorites, but there's also, um, you know, like I said, just depending on what you're trying to get to, uh, you know, you know, medical necessity was another big one, you know, you don't just do things because you can't, um, just depending on what audience you were really trying to, to target out. But, um, yeah, I think, I think I'm pretty similar with you, but you know, I kind of go back and forth on, you know, depending on my mood for the day. Yeah, so, Penny, how about so you? I'm on the other side. I really like the documentation stuff because I feel like it is such a burden to so many people. And when you really just break it down to what actually needs to be there, um, 
when I when I'm teaching it to students, I just see light bulbs go on of them being like, okay, this is what they were trying to explain in school. When I just say, I, I need to be able to to list out your impairments from your initial eval. I need to be able to list your goals, and then I need to be able to tie your interventions to your impairments and your goals. And if I can't do that, you're not making the right choice for the right intervention. And it's just like, oh, so you guys aren't just thinking like, what else can I do for the quads? Like, no, like we're very, we're working on very specific things for this person who said they have difficulty getting up and down from the chair, right? We're not just, these are all the exercises I know for the lower body. So we're going to throw them at this person. Like we are, mm -hmm. we are targeting very specific things with what we're doing. Um, mm -hmm. And it just seems to like, so be that, be that light bulb for students of like, okay, now I feel like I can confidently plan a session and I can, mm -hmm. I can go back to my list of impairments and I can make decisions about what I need to do in order to reach my goals. So I, I just like that. It's, it's, there's an art and science obviously, but there's also a very kind of clear roadmap to what your documentation needs to say that will that will help guide your clinical decisions. And I think that's huge, especially in terms of like, because I take so many PTA students, like at our clinic, our PTAs have pretty open, you know, plans of care. Like we're pretty lenient on supervisory, you know, stuff like you guys can add stuff if it makes sense and it's safe. And, you know, making sure that your documentation identifies the impairments. Why are you doing what you're doing? And that's something yeah. that I pound mm -hmm. home because, you know, in my in my setting, you know, I do a lot of treatment. I have had, mm -hmm. it's Thursday, I've had three evals this week. Um, I treat a lot. Our PTAs treat a lot. Uh, and I want the PTAs to be able to utilize the same, you know, thought process that I am in in terms of clinic because there's a lot of clinics out there where they'll the patient will see the pt and then never see them again or in home yeah. health the pt comes in the first time and the pta treats every other time until discharge so you know having the ability to understand progressions and what impairments and how to progress and address those impairments is is hugely important to you know the pta profession if we really want to talk about you know increasing quality of care and and what we do as physical therapists and physical mm -hmm. therapist assistants yeah, agreed. I think that's great stuff. Penny, do you have anything else you want to add? No, I just want to tell Nick that I had three emails today. <laughs> I had zero. I don't, have I, don't know how, I don't know how many I've had this week, but I know I had 17 last week. <laughs> I, I had none today. Oh, wait. No, I had none today. Yeah, it was Wednesday. I had one. And I don't have any tomorrow. I have three tomorrow, and I only work six hours. <laughs> oh. You want to trade? You two are amazing. <laughs> There's different settings. Let's just let's just different let's just tell it. And, and I still and I still see the follow-ups. Although, like Nick, our our PTAs are the lifeblood of this clinic. We work in teams. So at an eval, you know, my explanation is we we work in teams. This is Drew. He's my teammate. He's awesome. He has his own license. He can do everything I can do except in uh, a first visit. Um, at, depending on days and times, you might see him. And everybody in this clinic, you know is perfectly content they that it is seamless between seeing a pt and seeing a pta when it comes to to treatment so you know we we are very similar in that you know we we feel like we have the cream of the crop when it comes to to ptas laying that foundation yeah teamwork communication get it right yeah. <laughs> it can yeah, be a beautiful yeah. thing yeah that's right yeah, absolutely. So, so what kind of impact do you hope that this book has? Like, if you can look a year down the road, two years down the road, like what what kind of impact are you hoping that you have from this information that you've put all this work into being put out there? I'm, I'm gonna let Nick answer this one because his wife had a beautiful answer to it. Do you remember um, what, what did she say? I forget She's now. Some, something to the effect of like, if you help even one patient. Oh, that's right. Yes, yes. I remember. So uh, my wife just read the book for the first time. Went to Nashville last weekend. And uh, it was the first time she even read it. So this was before she even read the book. Um, but she said to me, like, once we, we, you know, I was kind of talking. She's like, so how's it selling? It was like the first weekend. I'm like, I don't know. Like, I mean, like we sold like 30 copies in like a day or two. Like, I think that's good, but I don't know. And she's like you know, I mean, this isn't something it's, 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 it's $20 Amazon. Like, I mean, 
we even like almost like we're like oh like how much do we even actually charge for this like we aren't in this to make any type of money or anything like that but she said um you know if you were able to help one person or more so one patient avoid getting you know bad care you've 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 made a difference and therefore the the effort was worth it and um you know that 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 resounded with me and i think that um you know sort of embodies what what we were doing it for um this book is you know designed to sort of you know empower patients and empower clinicians at the same time um you get on social media and you see a lot of the negative you see a lot of the you know overworked overburdened i saw you know 16 patients in my six hour day you know i was double and triple booked every half hour and you know that's not legal and ethical care you know and just because there are areas where you can do things legally oh you know what i'm gonna book uh two anthems together or three anthem patients together and build them each for four units even though they each have a 60 dollars copay you know yeah you're making your clinic a little bit more money but guess what one you're probably not seeing that and two you know who still has to pay for that that patient that works a $12 an hour job and has a $5,000 deductible. And then they're getting a yep. bill for your clinic for, uh, you know, depending on what setting you are anywhere from 600 to $6,000. And they were seen with two other people, three other people. You know, when we talk about quality, yeah, you can see two patients at the same time and, and provide quality care. But, you know, what are you doing for that person? Are you really being ethical? Are you really considering the whole patient? You want to talk about barriers to care, access to care, you know, I, you know, being where, where I practice, you know, I see it every day. Um, you know, mm -hmm. Penny and I were actually recently just talking about, you know, taking money at, um, you know, at initial visit, you know, patient hasn't met their deductible pay now. Uh, we'd have a lot of people who wouldn't be able to pay them. They just wouldn't come back. You know, we've got people on payment plans who, you know, pay $20 a month, whatever they can afford, you know, and uh, yeah. It's really hard to do because there's still the business side of things. There's still the capitalism side. You you know, you want to be successful and you have to work within that model. And our goal, I think, was to show that you can run that model and still be successful. You're not going to be a millionaire, but, you know, mm -hmm. you can find a way to make it work in a lot of settings. And, you know, to me, when we talk about the reimbursement issue as a whole, we're not going to show our value to insurance companies until we really start showing it to ourselves and show that we value, you know, our, our colleagues and also to our patients. So we value them more than just a number on a, on an item line, which is mm -hmm. what they unfortunately are becoming in a lot of these, these yeah. big box uh, uh, corporations. And, you know, I'm not even just big box, but like private practices around here do it too. Uh, it's just, you know, we have to take a really hard look of self-reflection to, you know, recognize where we're failing and why we're in the situation we're in when it comes to reimbursement. Yeah. And you can still feel good at the end of the day about what you provided. Yeah. And I think that was the point is, you know, this felt, you know, I, I, I complain about this stuff all the time. Um, this felt like taking an actionable step. Um, I didn't know mm -hmm. what the best thing that I could do was as a single staff PT. And, you know, talking to Penny, you know, we're like, you know, what, this is at least actionable. We showed that we've tried. And I mean, I, I have to give Penny all the credit in the world. She has emailed every single PT and PTA program director in the country. And that list doesn't exist anywhere. She pulled it all from the APTA website. Like the amount of work that she put in for us to get this out there, because we want new grads and clinicians to understand this and see this stuff and realize that, you know, you have power with your license and, you know, um, you know, I can't speak enough to the amount of work that she put in to be able to, to accomplish that. So I think that, you know, ultimately really embodies the, the, the vision of the book anyways. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, Agreed. It just it just needs in the needs to be in the right hands because I I think it's it's information that at least what what I see with the PTAs in my clinic is that it's knowledge that they're thirsty for. You know, we we talk about this stuff a lot at staff meetings. Um, you know, like like Nick, this clinic is not PT owned. Um, it's owned by a businessman who owns the gym. It's run by. A, a businessman who has no real background in PT. So we talk a lot about numbers in my clinic. We talk a lot about revenue per visit, units per visit, you know, units per eval, different payers, who's paying what. Like we, we talk about it a lot and we we still manage to do it in a way that feels good, right? Where we're not um, we're not punishing anybody. We're not we're also not bonusing anyone based on those numbers on in any real way, right? We are we are celebrating victories, but we're not telling people we're not, we're not giving people any reason to do anything unethical. Um, 
but every single time we have a staff meeting and we talk about billing, coding, documentation, it's the PTAs that come to me afterwards and are like, oh my God, that was great. Thank you. Like, I have all these questions. I saw this patient. This is what I did. How should mm-hmm. I build that? Like that, I don't, I don't know much about PTA programs. We take PTA students, but we have PTAs that, that are their CIs. So I don't necessarily get mm-hmm. to, to know the intricacies of, of their program. And we have a local program in town that we predominantly get students from, but it, it does seem to be a piece that's missing, right? Like, I, I, yeah, at least into feels- that depth that they've, they've learned, um, you know, on their clinicals from somebody who probably also was never taught it, you know, at any sort of in-depth level. So um, we, we've just been working really hard to, like I said, get it get it into the right hands. Um, the, the program, I, I would have gone with the clinical education, but that list doesn't exist anywhere. So at least the program directors was a list I could get. Mm-hmm. Uh, and yeah. To be fair, I love 37 left to email, but I have 300 and 350 down and 37 PTA programs left. Um, yeah, Amazing. We- <laughs> it's incredible. That's all Penny too. I, I, I give her yeah. 100%, you know, credit for that. She's, she's been amazing with this stuff. We've had a super positive response from the PTA side of things. So that's awesome. Um, that, that part has been exciting. Yeah. Cause I, I think just like insurance isn't going anywhere, even though sometimes it feels like it, I, I don't think that PTAs are going anywhere either. Um, even though everybody kind of felt like the the decrease in reimbursement was going to cause a problem, I don't think it's caused the problem that a lot of people thought it would. Um, you know, I haven't I haven't seen or heard very many people, even in the outpatient setting, losing their, losing their jobs. Right. So um, every PT that I talk to is still in a clinic that has PTAs, and um, mm-hmm. you know, I, I think I think this this knowledge is is power. I don't want to say too much about it because it's my it's my plus point for the end. But um, okay. <laughs> There's a big reason to know this stuff that I that I think can be helpful. So, yeah, and I think that um, this this is exactly the value of clinical education. And and I say this to students all the time um, because there's always that moment they're like, I, I don't recall going over that in class, or I don't recall hearing about that. And and it's probably something that was went over. But there's just so much information you know this from PT school. You get so much information that things that aren't important at that moment get pushed to the side. And then all of a sudden it's boots on the ground. They're there with you and they're looking at this going, I have no idea what to do with it. This is that real life experience. They're finally getting to put their hands on something tangible that's real um, versus talking about CPT codes. And what does that even mean in class and billing? But but I don't even know. I've not even seen a real human patient before, you know? So Mm -hmm. I think that that's the value of clinical education is that that boots on the ground you're the hands and feet of the profession teaching those students those real tangible things that we just simply can't always get from that academic um, didactic part. I think Penny um, has has mentioned this a couple of times, but like, she, you know, she's talked about how, you know, this is something and and when she mentioned it, I felt like I had the same experience. It's something that in education you get told it and then it's kind of like this will be reinforced on clinical and you'll you'll understand it, you know, once you get out and, and go on clinical. And I think there's a disconnect here between clinical practice and academia where mm-hmm. you're either a in a situation where you're at a volume based clinic and you don't do any of that because it all gets outsourced to these random mm-hmm. billing things. I had a former student tell me the other day, her billing her billing gets outsourced and all they do is TE, 97110. Everything gets billed as 97110 regardless of payer. Like, oh. hold up, no, 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 hold up. That's not even, you know, wow. remotely ethical and I'm questioning the legality of that. But I, mm-hmm. I know Penny's talked about, you know, she's heard, you know, from people who do seminars on, you know, some of their, their, their practices. I think it's, uh, what was it the saying is, it's not to the law, but it's in the spirit of the law or something like that. We don't follow, we and, don't follow the letter of the law. We follow the spirit of the law. Yeah. Yeah. It's not and, how the laws work. And, you know, this is what the students are exposed to. They say, so they're like, oh, they must know what they're doing. And, you know, it's, it's, it's not true. Most clinicians, you know, don't really do this. I have one of, I'm one of the few, pa- we're pen and paper charts. So I'm writing in each code, circling the code, writing how many minutes for each code, every patient, eight times a day. 
Uh, if I've got a double book, which I occasionally have, I've got to split them. I had a very busy afternoon yesterday. We had a couple patients show up late. They went to the wrong place. Uh, and I had essentially three patients going in once, three high school kids that I was running between. And they were there for about 90 minutes or so. And I had to figure out, okay, how do I split my billing to make sure that I'm legal, that I'm ethical, and I can still maximize the units for my clinic? Um, you know, and we mm -hmm. were somebody we treat based everybody off of Medicare standards, which, you know, the book goes more in depth mm -hmm. about, mm -hmm. you know, we don't really follow the eight minute rule. We yeah. follow the straight 15 minute rule. So, you know, even though I could in theory do eight, eight, eight for, you know, each one and get, you know, a 32 minute and one time, it probably wouldn't be a big deal. We, um, regardless of insurance, just, it's just our company policy. We treat everybody based along straight Medicare guidelines. So, you know, 23 for two, 38 for three, 53 for four. Hmm. So, yeah. um, you know, having that experience has been, been, been helpful. But, um, you know, like I said, I don't think that in clinical practice, most people aren't exposed to even what these, these codes are or how they're split up or other than, you know, the brief, you know, two hour lecture, you might get your first year in your foundations class. Yeah. Remember that <laughs> when, when you get to your clinic site. <laughs> yes. Wonderful. I mean, Penny, I do you have anything to add to that? Well, I, I was one of the ones that was taught just bill everybody three nine seven one one O's and I, I didn't know what that meant. I just, that's what I was told to do. So that's what I did on my clinicals. And then I, I went on to do a residency at the same place that I did my clinicals. So I continued to do that. Um, and now I, I feel a little bit lucky that I was even told that because the students that are coming into our clinic now are like, I, I didn't learn anything about billing, which hmm. maybe is a little shady, right? But we've had multiple students say they didn't, they didn't teach me anything about codes. They didn't talk at all about minutes. They, it was not part of what I was doing. I was like, hmm. it's, it's part of the CPI, but you know, like, you don't have to follow that to the letter of the law either. But I'm like, it's it's pretty dang irresponsible to take a student and not teach them anything about billing, right? Like, you one, it suggests that you're doing something that you don't want to tell them, or maybe that you don't understand what you're doing. But nonetheless. Um, it's pretty hard to say someone is competent and ready to be an entry level clinician. Mm -hmm. If you know darn well, you haven't taught them anything about billing. Yeah. So I just yeah. show them the like, hard stuff. <laughs> yeah. Show them, tell them anything, right. Even if you don't want to show them your numbers, like at least explain to them that they have to, they have to track their minutes. They have to know what, mm -hmm. um, you know, what, what code they're working on. Just the, you know, like even the, the big three, big four, like you should know the difference between neuro, you know, Therax and Theract, like, um, but more and more, like I said, we're, we are getting the students who are saying, we take them from all over the country coming in and saying, nope, we didn't, I didn't, it was not at all part of my clinical. Hmm. Yeah. Interesting. Wild. Yeah. 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 Well, I mean, I think that's, um, that says that we can just do better, right? Right. It says we have <laughs> to overall, that. like, yeah, 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 we, we, we can, we should, we have to. Yeah. Nick, were you going to say something? Uh, no, my dog just walked past me and I was like making sure that oh, he awesome. wasn't like trying to jump into my screen. <laughs> yeah. yeah, well, um, I have like one terrible light in my house. And so like I I have one light that's like as, as the sun goes down, apparently I don't have much light in here. So. <laughs> and I didn't that's think right. it was that late, but yeah. Okay. So what's your future plans? What, what do you guys see happening with this book going forward? Like I mean, insurance changes all the time. Like, do you anticipate you're going to have to update this or are you like, man, that was a lot of work. I'm not doing that again. Uh, I, I think we, we are of the mindset that it, that at some point it will need to be updated, but I don't think that, I, I think we did a good job of sticking to things that don't change that much. Um, the, the foundational stuff, the, the way that RVUs are calculated, um, you know, kind of the, the big uh, concepts on, motor vehicle versus workers comp versus, you know, standard commercial payers, that stuff is not what's changing. Um, you know, we could never write a book that was comprehensive enough to cover everyone's practice act and how each individual yeah. payers plan is covering things. Cause that's the stuff that's changing, right. Is um, you might go from a copay to a co-insurance and need to understand how that impacts the patient. But if you understand copay and co-insurance, then, then that change, doesn't change the knowledge that's in the book. Um, but our, our actual thought uh, 
is to potentially do kind of a, a limited edition podcast style, uh, have some, some more conversation based examples about the billing piece of it. Um, and then potentially some continuing education, right? Some, something to incentivize people who already have a license to learn this stuff and do it in a way that they get something back, right? Make some, some simple mm -hmm. con ed that is um, affordable and accessible and also very, Absolutely. yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. And just like this book and just like um, a lot of other really cool things that have happened is you got to say yes and just start on it. You know, yeah. like it, you're willing to, to do the work and it's something that you're both passionate about and just make it happen. Say yes and figure it out as you go. Right. <laughs> that seems to be the plan at this point. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, for sure. Okay. Well, um, are you ready to wrap up? if if yeah. you are so i i yeah. appreciate this okay. has been this has been cool yeah well hey before we go there's um there's one thing that i like to ask you and that's your plus point so penny i know you talked about it earlier um so this is kind of like your your exiting words of wisdom and your your bold encouragement for pts and ptas out there in in the field so penny what's your plus point so uh knowledge is power and these codes and the, the billing stuff, not, not as much the documentation, but gives a, a PT or a PTA a lot of bargaining power when it comes to um, going into a boss's office and asking for more money, trying to show your value. Um, you know, like I said, we, we live in an insurance-based system, but if you know these numbers, right, if, if you know the reimbursement, if you know how to maximize the codes, if you know the good code combinations and it, it fits for certain patients, the, the numbers are not hard to find most, uh, you know, except in Nick's clinic because they're still pen and paper, but all of the electronic health records, right? You can pull a report that tells you what your charges are per visit, what your, um, you, what your payment is per visit once the billing has been completed, what your units are per visit, and you can show that you are making the clinic a good amount of money. You can argue for, you know, better payment for yourself, right? For higher salary, for more PTO, whatever it is that you want. Um, I, I, I just think that reading this book should empower clinicians to feel like they have a better understanding of the money that they're making for someone else to be able to leverage that into, you know, I'm the highest producing PTA in this clinic, right? Like I, I'm billing more units per visit. I am doing a better job of maximizing my time. I'm, you know, doing a better job of utilizing codes. You know, my, my patients are getting better faster because they're getting more skilled therapy as evidenced by me not doing 97110 with everyone, right? I know that these codes pay more because they require more skill. So I am following all of these steps that is making you, the business owner, more money. And I, in, in my clinic, if you went into my boss and you could say, this is where I was a year ago. This is where I am today. I've really been working on making sure that I am making good use of the clinic's time and treating my patients well. There's no way he wouldn't give you more money. Um, you know, I, I, what I have gone to having to try to explain to students is there are times when we have to put our business hat on and times when we have to put our therapist hat on. And this book kind of bridges that gap a little bit of you have to be able to understand the, the billing and coding and reimbursement from your boss's perspective too, right? Like, we have to keep the lights on. We have to pay the people who don't have revenue producing positions, right? Like if your front desk wants a raise, you have to see more patients, right? So in order to make that happen, you know, it, mm -hmm. a good solid understanding of this stuff just can, can not only help with patient care, but it can, you know, like I said, empower those, those difficult conversations about why you deserve to make more money, why you deserve more PTO, whatever it may be. So that's my plus point. I feel like we don't we don't have those conversations with PTAs very often, right? Yeah. And again, sorry, I cut out there. Um, a little bit there. No, that's okay. You're up next. Are you ready? Uh, are you ready for um, yours? Your plus point? Yeah, yeah. I mean, actually, mine kind of uh, it, it sort of branches off that because everything that that Penny just said is is, in my opinion, very, very important, and and one of the reasons we did this. You know, I'm just as tired of seeing you know people who are choosing to complain about you know 
oh, I had to see, you know, 10 patients, but I'm not getting paid six figures. Like, well, do you know how much you're making? Like, you know, what did you do? And, um, you know, then you see people who are seeing 20 and 30 patients in, in an eight hour day and are triple booked on the end. And, you know, my plus point comes back to, you know, to build off of what Penny said with the knowledge is power standpoint is you are responsible for your own license. You commit fraud. I mean, look at Hurdle Brown up here in Erie. You commit fraud. Guess what? It's your license. The company's going to pay the fine. They're fine with that. You just made them, you know, a couple, couple hundred thousand dollars with fraudulent billing. They'll pay the fine. You'll never practice again. And, you know, clinicians have to take responsibility for that, you know, saying, well, I need to have the job or, well, you know, they're making me do this. No, they're, they're not. You're the, they need your license to bill. And if we get enough people to collectively say, no, I'm not going to do this anymore, we can start to facilitate a change. You know, will it take forever to come at a global level? Sure. Well, we always have these high volume. Sure. But, you know, if you really understand the power that you have and the privilege that you have to carry a healthcare license and provide care to other people, your your ability to to create a work scenario where you truly have the work life balance that you you desire can be very achievable for you. Um, you know, and, and that goes with saying you have to, you know, be able to accept some or concede some, some points, you know, you're not, there's no world where you're going to see, you know, I'm going to work for four hours today, see four patients and make, you know, $600 today. That like, that's not how it works, but, mm -hmm. you know, take this information that you have and use it to your advantage. I think that once you're able to really harness that and you appreciate, you know, both the, 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 the altruistic side, as well as the, you know, capitalistic side, you're going to be able to put yourself in a lot, a lot better scenario. And, um, you know, that's ultimately the goal is, you know, we need clinicians who care because far too many are stuck in this current system and look what it's done to quality of care. And, you know, we have a lot of, like I've, I mentioned earlier, you know, introspection to, to figure out where we need to move from. So, yeah, absolutely. And I think that what I'm hearing both of you say is do something, <laughs> just, just do something, right? Take that first step. Yep. It's easy to sit back and complain. It's easy mm -hmm. to just send out a couple of tweets, easy to click the like button, easy to make a Facebook post. And, you know, I do all of that stuff. Um, I did not feel like with, with one of the things that I feel very passionate about, I was doing anything to, to make a difference. And, you know, I, as nerve wracking as this procedure was, and I'm somebody who's a relatively confident person. Uh, I really, really struggled with some confidence when we, when we hit that final publish button and I'm like, yeah, Oh dear God, what have we done? <laughs> and, uh, you know, as, as we've gone through it, you know, it's been out about a month now. Mm -hmm. I have a much better inner peace with, you know what we did something and mm -hmm. in, in very worst case scenario, we put a lot of effort in and we tried to, to make a difference. So, you know, I can, I can go to bed easy at night with, with, with that. Absolutely. Yeah. Hands down. Agree. Awesome. Well, Nick, Penny, it's been so wonderful having you um, both on today's show. We really appreciate that you took the time to talk to us. I'm sure there's going to be more po podcasts in your future. <laughs> there's going to be more <laughs> people who are going to want to talk to you about this topic and about this book. And, and I'm just uh, right behind you, cheering you on for whatever that next step is. If it's CEU, if it's um, a, an extension of the book, if it's a podcast, I can't wait to, to see what comes next because I, I really think that you're on to something. So I'm going to encourage you. I guess my plus point is keep going. <laughs> well, thank, thank you. Don't thank stop. You so You're going much. awesome. Thanks. We, we, we really, really, truly appreciate the support. We appreciate yeah. you bringing us on. Like this is, this is incredible. And, um, you know, every, every person who supported us so far through this journey and bought the book, we're just, you know, thrilled. And we really just hope it's, it's, it's worthwhile. So thank yeah. you for giving us a platform to, to, to help, you know, yeah. discuss it more in depth. Absolutely. I'm so excited that you two came on. And before Nick and I run out of daylight, like <laughs> we're going to disappear on the screen pretty soon. <laughs> awesome. Well, thank you so much for coming. And thanks to everybody who are listening today to the PTA Plus podcast. Um, we are part of the PT Pintcast Media Network. So you can find us where you can find PT Pintcast on all um, social media channels and anywhere where you can find podcasts. The PTA Plus podcast is hosted and produced by Katie Sutton in collaboration with PT Pintcast host and CEO, Jimmy McKay. 
Thank you for listening to another episode of the PTA Plus podcast, where the conversation is for PTAs by PTAs. This show is for educational purposes only and not intended for clinical decision-making, while care is taken to ensure accuracy, factual errors can be present. Become part of the PTA Plus podcast family by liking, sharing, and subscribing on iTunes, Spotify, and anywhere you can listen to podcasts.